Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 376 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 376. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live TV show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on the Hospitality Channel TV station. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. Tools for review are four of them today. Yes, tools are... We're staying plural these days. We haven't gone down to one tool for quite a while. And, of course, with all things, you'll see some familiar ones we've talked about before in different contexts and some new ones. Let's start with a new one. I uh, had access to this platform when it first came out, and then uh, the client I was using it for uh, changed their budget... Uh, spends and uh, they took it away and that was Hulu, Hulu Hulu.com actually and the platform is admanager.hulu.com Hulu has been uh, teasing their beta ad platform for the better part of 18 months and uh, like I said early on I had it, it was really fascinating the filtering capability of so forth but the threshold for spend was very high, especially in comparison to what it is now and it just was one of those, uh, it was great, it was fun, it was new, uh, it was it was productive, but it was also expensive and really not something that would tap that much budget uh, in comparison to other places to spend. So once we didn't want to spend the budget, we lost access to the platform. But lo and behold, we have finally come back into its own where it's now going out again, as, it's, as you've seen in the news, um, where it's pointed out that um, advertising is going to start going on these platforms, more Hulu being one of them. So it rolled out its ad manager program program for everyone well i don't know if it's for everyone per se but you certainly can apply get on the rsvp and i'm understanding that it isn't really a long wait for those that uh, have taken my advice before i started talking about it on the podcast today but they might be uh, depending upon what you say you're doing and what you're going to be saying you're doing it for they might have a different threshold yet to be hit by that but we'll see anyway um the tool, admanager.hulu.com. We'll get to its usage in a little bit. The next one is a familiar one to you. We brought this on in show number 344, and that is Jamloop. J-A-M-L-O-O-P.com. Jamloop is an aggregate distribution for OTT and CTV advertising, over-the-top advertising, closed tab, you know, um, computer television. Um, it is very robust of a platform. It also had at its time a relatively high threshold of, of expense requirement, um, often under the auspices that if you did smaller budgets, it might do it, but it really poo-pooed on the idea by showing the metrics that didn't look as effective. You know, the metrics being that when you go into an ad platform like a LinkedIn or Facebook or YouTube, it'll show you your audience uh, percent potential based on the filters you're created. And it always dove the needle, so to speak, to the left 
if you uh, lowered your budget to less than what they think they wanted you to spend. So it was uh, it was one of those platforms that I was very interested and intrigued on, but always got uh, hard to explain to clients the value proposition for the amount that they were asking to spend that showed legitimacy of the use of the platform. But that tool is jamloop.com. Here's one that we've spoken with uh, about before, most recently. Actually, I think it's show 361 we brought this up, and this is AdCritter, A-D-C-R-I-T-T-E-R.com. AdCritter, few things. Um, it does OTT advertisement as part of its component. It also does digital display advertisement, okay, and programmatic advertising, retargeting. Um, we've talked about programmatic recently, three shows ago, actually. Um, AdCritter does all of them together. Here's the good and the bad about AdCritter. AdCritter does all that, and it is the only platform outside of the next tool I'm going to tell you about that allows digital billboard access. Um, but the, 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 the bad part of it is, is they mitigate the campaigns. You get a report, but you don't get any sort of control. You indicate what you're looking to do. You indicate what your profiles are, your, and you can go through the filtering uh, parameters request with them. It's not like you're not aware of what you are able to select. You just don't do it. The user interface is not you functioning in it. It's you telling what you want the interface to do, and then they go do this. And they are very leaned into on the digital billboards and programmatic advertising. And I think partially because that has a, an affiliate or cost component that they can marginalize, monetize anyway. Um, for those unfamiliar with digital billboards, and I'm not against digital billboards or programmatic advertising when I say this, uh, digital billboards are literally the digital signage you see around the country. It used to be that you had to pay massive amounts of money and have very long obligated contracts to get a roadside sign. You had to pay for at least a year, if not more, if you wanted a reasonable price for it. It was not cheap. I mean, we're talking into the thousands of dollars per month to have this. Plus, you had to pay for the production of the sign you're wanting up there. And it wasn't like you could change the sign every time you wanted to. What you put up there had to stay unless you want to spend thousands of dollars more. And even then, there was a restriction as to how often you could do this to change the sign. So it was only for the big boys, really, to have a roadside sign. I remember running one for one of the hotels in Key Largo. And it was a valuable sign. It was hugely rewarding to have the sign for the hotel before you got on into the Keys. But the cost of it was... It was steep. You had to really have the money to be able to do it. Well, nowadays, there's a lot of digital billboards that have a lot of rotated content on them. And it's a great space to be in because you can target it very well based on, obviously, geography, but also in interest categories and times and transitions of days and so forth and the people that are already expected in the proximities of it and on and on. And then there's even advertisement, now very smart advertising, that has proximity indicators that if I'm walking by a display sign, because of the uh, indicator of my proximity, it'll actually play an ad that might be relevant to me compared to somebody behind me walking up to the sign that might play a different ad for them based on the demographics that I represent for the filtering of the ads. A lot of discussion about AdCritter wasn't, but that's a tool, adcritter.com. The last tool is a old standard of ours that we've used repetitively and of high value, and that is Brandzooka, B-R-A-N-D-Z-O-O-K-A.com. Brandzooka... I've always enjoyed using because of the diversity that it, it it's just not the opportunity of OTT TV. It's not just the platforms. It, it's I would say the strongest value of Brandzooka is, of course, programmatic, the retargeting capability, the display advertisement platforms that it can connect to. Um, it's a strong retail platform distribution capability. 
But from a hospitality perspective, it is incredibly diverse in what you can get your messaging in front of because of its affiliation with so many platforms. It's a great platform. It was the first platform that we ever used that allowed us to get into the visual dig digital medium display space that was affordable, that didn't have high thresholds and long-term contract commitments. It was a great platform for that and continues to be a great platform. So our four tools that we obviously will talk about in relationship to our technique discussion are admanager at hulu.com or admanager.hulu.com, jamloop.com, adcritter.com, and brandzooka.com, which brings us to why we brought all the tools together in our technique of the week. Now for this week's hospitality technique. So our technique this week is, it's a visual world. Yes, it is a visual world. Um, as we've discussed, and I know our last podcast was about audio world, well, this is a visual world. We've had many discussions about visual, visual mediums, video mediums, things that uh, we are, um, can get in front of people, whether it be YouTube advertisement and or other places. Um, from all of that, there are so many platforms to do this, but I wanted to bring up the visual world in context to how it's changing. Uh, you've heard me now uh, pontificate on YouTube advertising. It's, it's, it's saturation of, of what you can do with it. It's diversity of targeting and so forth. And these tools we just talked about with Hulu, uh, with Jamloop, with AdCritter, with Brandzuka, the diversity of platforms you can get into. OTT space is an incredibly interesting space. And I think it, transitionally, the future of how a lot of directions of getting in front of users uh, for reasons that you want to for your hospitality industry uh, to be. And because of that, uh, you need to have the content. And of course, we've gone through many, many tools about how to create content. Um, what's the best content to create? What is some of the formats, the size, the capabilities, and so forth? But the ability to get in front of people, it, it, the, the transition of what we have to do in a technique perspective of it's a visual world is you have to have the mission of purpose of what the ads are for. The first ads that usually get created are brand-centric. They're relatively generic. They're your best first effort first. Um, it is uh, more of awareness. You know, you, you want to show aspects of yourself without actually pointing towards any sort of special offer or special rate or anything like that. You just want to make sure there's a visibility. Now, those are great, and they're also very much... Uh, uh, satisfying to owners that get to see themselves on TV or get to see themselves on, on ad videos of things. Uh, but they're not highly productive. Not unless you put them in front of the right people at the right time. At which point you have to know what time that is and what content the people are discovering for the ad to be in the right location. It's not impossible, but it's not it's not your long-term strategy in this space. It's a starting point. You, you need to validate the, the medium. You need to validate the voice and the audience that it gathers and all the fun stuff to that. But the idea that you are creating a visual communication for people is the key element to this visual world mentality. Um, you know that, uh, and we talked about this last week, actually, on the audio with when it came to Twitter and the audio, and then, of course, uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio and so forth, that you know, you, you genre of music and artists of music is very popular as to the designation of demographics. Also, too, is podcasts and the content associated with podcasts and the audience demographics associated with listening to those podcasts and their geography and so forth are all great ways of identifying the translation of the, uh, the ad itself. The same is hold true for video. 
YouTube ads being placed in YouTube's app with all the power filtration uh, filters that can be created via Google in the medium of YouTube is very powerful as well. But so too is OTT TV. Going back a little bit of a generational kind of thing, TV used to be a national thing. If you were doing TV ads, it was incredibly expensive, not just in producing them, but also in the expense of getting them on national TV. There was very select slots. We, we are all very familiar with the amazing costs of Super Bowl because of the audience size and so forth. That's the, the TV of the days, days gone past. And then Nelson ratings and so forth, keeping track of people and statistically inferring the relevance of how many audiences that meant was a way of mitigating the value of the amount of ads and how much it cost. You sponsored shows or you spot you had ads at certain prime time versus off time. Of course, back when TV shut off at midnight, you had certain windows of that. Then as TV became 24-7, there was other opportunities, but you still had a national thing to this. Even back then, Google dev, uh, dabbled in the world of, of remnant uh, video ads for radio and, and TV. And it was affordable, but it was also national. The only segmentation you could really do was the Fox channels at the time, and it was regional sports at that. And it was regional, east, northeast, south, southeast, that kind of thing. So the idea now that OTT and CTV uh, advertising is capable where you can say on Hulu, based on the demographics or the behaviors or the geography of people, that your ad shows for them. So as I keep saying as an example, I could be watching a Hulu show, see an ad that I fit in the criteria of the filter, and my next door neighbor watching the same Hulu show would see a completely different ad if their demographics were different than mine and it wasn't based on just geography. That granularity is incredibly powerful. Now, platforms like Jamloop um, offer a user dashboard, which is amazing because it's in real time, latency factor included, just like Google is real time, but latency factor included, whether it be 20 minutes or two hours or what have you. And it shows you the interaction of your ads. Now, YouTube advertisement, of course, is like any other ad campaign. It's going to show you viewers and how many people did. And depending upon the type of ad you put on YouTube, it'll go over and show you how many people, how long they listened, when did they drop off, did they act on anything, did they connect with anything, so forth and so on. So going back to the video usage of these things, like using the tools of Brandzooker or Jamloop or AdCritter or even the ad manager of Hulu, is you want this content to become more and more specific to its audience. So that means going past the initial video ads of branding, here we are, who we are, okay, to more specific, here we are, who we are for this event. Here we are, who we are for this time of year. Here we are, who we are for our destination. And it can be very granular like that. Then you can go in and begin to advance in on uh, actionable items within your uh, video ads. On TV, obviously, you see a lot more of this now more than ever. QR codes came back to life because of the COVID pandemic, but you see video ads that have a QR code in the corner so that you can just scan the QR code and it brings you to where you want to go rather than some URL string, even a URL shortened string that you have to quickly type into your phone before the ad goes away or pause the ad if you have that capability on your TV at the moment uh, to you know, type in what they say to go to. So you see these interactivities. And of course, the QR codes that you're putting into these ads can be very tailored to tracking as to, okay, so somebody did use the QR code. And because they went to the to the website, the QR code was attached to, and that tracking gets into place and you know, well, that did work. And this was productive. And this was an engagement. And this is how far the engagement went. And it puts them into sales funnels. It's all beginning to get connected. But this visual world uh, aspect of what we're doing needs to be brought into our industry. We're not there. Only things like Marriott Bonvoys and Hilton Honors and things like this do you see ads. 
They even have the new world of TV channels in hotels. I always found it remarkable that hotels that paid such astronomical contract money for uh, TV uh, per, uh, content on their TVs in their hotels. They had to pay these huge cable fees and these huge um, hardware contracts to have TVs in their rooms. They were offered free channels, TV channels, that they could control. None that I've ever saw, other than the ones I was running, ever used that opportunity where they made their own TV channel. Because it's hard. Because after the first two minutes of a high welcome, they don't know what else to do. And now you have the prohibitiveness at the time of the cost of production of videos. As we've gone over and over with so many different tools of how to create videos, how to create audios, how to create uh, voices and languages and text and no need actors and all these things, it's become very affordable to create video, very affordable to use it in this medium, and very affordable to put it in ad platforms like Jamloop, Hulu, Branzuka, even AdCritter, where this can get displayed to the most relevant audiences. So there you have it, our technique of the week. It's a visual world. Now, this week's hospitality news that you should know. So our news and show review. Our show today was about... Did Google just change the rules of marketing? Um, I did this because I had a kind of an epiphany conversation, you know, as I mentioned uh, in the live show, that um, you're talking to somebody about uh, something that's going on and, and you have this perspective of it and they say something or refer to something that's like a missing piece to a puzzle of a picture that you've been trying to do. And all of a sudden it falls into place and you have this perspective like, oh my gosh, it was talking about basically sales funnels, marketing funnels, workflows, engagements of CRMs. We're going through this process. And the, the person on our team that I was talking to was talking about how Google has changed their data usage because of their immense gathering of data. And the fact that GA4 is even going to augment that even more so, okay, that all data is collected, that there was a need to identify some relevant value of the data based on what the data was representing, whether it was a click here or a page they viewed or uh, anything about those things, assigning a value. And I talked about in the live show that I was always against artificial values because usually I've, I've, when, when done, I see them as a exacerbation of, of implied value. Like, look how much we're doing for you. All these people visited. And if you think about that, uh, it, it's like PR. Let me put in a better example. When PR says, you know, this is the implied media that if you were to have bought the media that this PR piece did for you, it would have been worth X dollars. It's such a subjective dollar amount. And that's how I always saw assigned value through goal sets and, and event-driven uh, tracking where dollars were assigned. He pointed out that it was more about identifying it so that Google knew it meant something. They're collecting everything, but unless you tell them something is important in the sense of assigning a value to it, they won't use it to determine how well other things are. And the best example he gave for me is we were talking about the fact that we we're trying to create custom audiences to have better retargeting capabilities, and the audiences we're getting from our ad engagements we're slow to process a large enough audience that would be statistically relevant that Google would use to create a retargeting campaign. And he says, well, we just need to assign values to other functions that we're already tracking so that Google knows that that information is also useful in its BigQuery data perspective. I said, what do you mean? And he starts talking about if you assign values to these things, Google knows that you find that these things are worth tracking. So they will begin to correlate that data with the other data that you say is worth tracking. 
to give you some insights. The end result to answer my simple question to him was, it actually will begin to expand the audience that is available because you're saying it's worth tracking other things. So Google will say, oh, you want to make a custom audience out of these engagement values. Perfect. I have 5,000 people, 6,000 people that we can do this with. That change alone was a fundamental shift in the thing. He says, yes. Google is now flipping the world upside down. Instead of chasing down the presumptive one person that will buy something from you, you're instead talking to everybody in the hopes that the one person that will buy something from you sees it in a way that it speaks to them, but more people see it. And in the live show, I talked about you know simple conversions of metrics in your website, where if you think that 3% of the people engage with your website by clicking on things or reacting and acting to things that you're asking them to do on the website, then you're admitting that 97% of the people have no value other than just general traffic numbers. This allows you to speak to a much larger audience of the 97% because you're assigning some value of relevance to their engagement, however brief, with you. And that's where the conversation went when it came to the whole, did Google just change the rules of marketing? So that was our topic for the live show today. It was a fun conversation, actually. Um, I'd like to go over and point out uh, a little bit of a, a news piece that is related to our tools, related to our technique, but relevant for how you see how the world is changing when it comes to Google's ability to think, uh, to know past the engagement defi definitions that we're so familiar with. Uh, again, our live show talked about old techniques being put on new data and, of course, the uh, inapplicability of it. Like, you know, basically saying we're going to go to the moon, but we're going to take a sailboat to do it. Back in the day when sailboats were the medium of getting across the oceans, it didn't seem unfathomable to think that a sailboat would be something you would bring to the moon. You're sailing to the moon. And hence the old genre of that stuff. We know that's not able to be done, technically being done kind of thing. But the idea still remains that old technologies are applied to current thinking. Same goes with video. We've always looked at the fact that video engagement video ads, as an example, you have, let's just take skippable ads in YouTube. And those are the ones you see quite often that a video is playing at the front of the video that you want to watch. And you're just waiting for that little countdown to say five, four, three, two, one, skip, and you go past it. Now, from the advertising world, if you do that, I don't pay for your exposure to my ad. Because according to the conditions of relationship with Google, they didn't see enough of my ad to justify being charged for exposure. It tracks that they saw the, the you know, that was exposed impressions of the ad, but it doesn't charge me for anything about what the ad should have done. This is how smart Google has become. They have what's called EVCs, engaged viewer conversions. Now, of course, this is so they can monetize and prove to you that even though the person may have skipped it or you were being coy and actually did a lower uh, lower duration video so that it was not skippable, they actually got to see your whole video and it was short enough that they never had the chance to skip past it. Google created this engagement because it had enough knowledge about the users, both prior and after, to know whether or not there was an engaged viewer conversion value. So what is engaged viewer conversion value? This is the fact that Google, knowing enough of where you came from to where you saw that they saw your ad and what they did afterwards, knows whether or not they engaged with you in a non-direct way. What I mean by this is say, for instance, they're watching a video or want to watch a video about painting a wall. Okay, great. 
Um, and then I play an ad because of the demography or, or behavior or, or, or geography of the person. They play an ad that I say that they qualify for. And it's about a beach resort. And now Google, knowing what they're looking at, maybe they go peek around at beaches, beach resort, vacations, things like that. Whatever that is, I had an impact on them seeing whatever portion, even if they skipped it, of my ad. And because of that, they went over and acted on it. They engaged in some other post-engagement or post-visual view. I will get charged for that ad because I influenced them. Did they come to my, my website? Did they act on what I gave them in the ad? You pay maybe yes, maybe no. But the idea is they can track the fact that that actually does indeed happen. So with that being a possibility of Google EVCs, engaged viewer conversions, you now have a different world of implied values. Back going to the original thing when Google gave us the um, the uh, attribution string. We we're like, okay, so Google got smart enough to know what the usage of the words were by their intent. That was one of the first iterations of going past keywords and usages of words only to the intent of using the words. Now they're getting into engaged views from the perspective of what did it enact the person to do? Google has such a first person data collection capability now that they know the person well enough and know what they were doing prior, as I said, and post after what they saw was my ad, and they know how it may have engaged the viewer to know whether or not it was a chargeable engagement from that. Um, I, I find it fascinating that they're getting to that level of detail and understanding for it. But that was that's our news article of it as well, I should say, out of this process. That So uh, again, our live show was about did Google change, just change the rules of marketing when it came to the inversion of data usage? I'll also go over and say that it's a matter of YouTube of, of what Google is doing with EVCs and how it is in, it's changing our usages of the string of continuity that ads and so forth come into. So there you have it. Uh, as always, we have the AppSumo link for uh, these apps that uh, I did get through AppSumo, uh, the tools that we talked about earlier. The link's in the show notes. The link to the EVC conversation is also in the show notes, as is also the links to the tools, as always, is in the show notes. Um, I, again, remember that you can find us on Google Play, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, 39 platforms and counting. We're even on Amazon's Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. Just ask to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast. Of course, no matter which one you may use, if you like the show, please rate us and leave a comment. That helps others discover us, but it also gives us the feedback that we need. And I always, always, always answer any email about the podcast or the live show at lauren at hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com. We uh, love the inspiration of the content and the topics that you give us, and we enjoy very much uh, your feedback as to what we're doing and what you enjoy us doing for it. As always, the podcast and all of our live shows are in forever. I Love Lucy reruns on the hospitalitychannel.tv website. That's not to be confused with the fact that we actually have a genuine TV channel that you can find on Roku. Uh, Google TV, Apple TV, Amazon TV, which is also called the Hospitality Channel. Uh, and from that, uh, it's a paid gateway, but the live show that we do each week, which is in 39 countries and growing, um, is always available on the free side of that gateway. You can always watch us on our TV where we're talking more in depth about the things that we review here in the podcast. So with that, my name is Lauren Gray. I thank you for the privilege of your time and look forward to talking to you next week.
You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 376 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, All Right Reserve, Copyright 2022. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.